Welcome everybody to episode 23 of the Bomber Brothers podcast. Sean and Ryan with you and we've got a couple guests on hand this week fitting for the busy, well I shouldn't even say busy because the winter meetings this week have been pretty painfully slow but we do have some news to break that occurred just a few minutes before we started recording Sean. The Yankees in what would still I would consider to be kind of boring, <laughs> uh, <laughs> re-signed Jay Happ to two years. Uh, the upside is that's not a full three-year deal. It's two years plus an option for a third, which is based on um, how many starts he makes, how many innings he pitches. So that's better than a three-year deal, but still would consider kind of underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is that lefties do seem to age a little bit better than um... – than righties, you know, I mean, you think about CC, you think about um, Pettit, and, uh, you know, Hap's been relatively healthy, as, uh, you know, Seth said, and we spoke to Seth, the Yes Network, um, which we'll play later in the podcast, but I, I don't hate it, I just, it doesn't move the needle for me, um, I, I guess, which, it, it's like you said, it's like, it's kind of like a blah move, and I think everything that's happened at the winter meetings, aside from the rumors about um, Corey Kluber very shortly, and then the Real Muto and Noah Syndergaard rumors. Everything's been pretty boring out of there. Lance Lynn got a three-year deal, which is not boring. That's just stupid. Thirty uh, million dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Ten million dollars a year for Lance Lynn is is something. I'll tell you. Uh, but probably the best thing to come out of the winter meetings have been some of the quotes, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of the crazy things said, but. Uh, how do you feel about the HAP signing? Like I said, I'm not too excited about it. I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's great. I think it's serviceable, which is just what Jay HAP is. Yeah, I agree. I guess I should have started with, I mentioned that we had two guests coming on the podcast and declined to even mention their names. But like you said, Seth Rothman of the S yes Network joined us to talk about the latest Yankee news, as did Disha Thozar from SNY. So a couple of great interviews that we will play later. But uh, feelings mutual with HAP. Uh, I guess the Yankees were kind of backed into a corner. I mean, even Lance Lynn came off the board before they, uh, before the Hap deal became official. Everyone thought it was official this morning, and then Ken Rosenthal kind of backtracked on that report and said the two sides were close to a deal. So, I mean, it, you, you saw Lance Lynn got three years and $30 million, and then shortly before that, Charlie Morton got two years and $30 million and you were a little concerned what that meant for what the Yankees were going to have to pay for Hap. The money terms have not been released yet as we record right now, but given the structure of the contract, without knowing the finances, I feel better about it than I did this morning when I figured they were probably going to have to give him the three guaranteed years. Um, again, I still have concerns. We, we talked about this with Seth and Disha, but I still have concerns about Hap's fastball usage and he throws it over 70% of the time. Velocity is around 92 is his average right now. So if that keeps going down, you know, you're going to have to develop some kind of other off-speed pitch, kind of like how CC developed that cutter thanks to Andy Pettit when his velocity went down. So hopefully Hap can adjust. But like you said, he, he stays healthy. He'll give you innings, which is more than what could have been said about the Yankees four and five starters last year which were Sonny Gray and then some kind of combination of Luis Sessa, Domingo Herman, Jonathan Loisaga which all didn't really work out in terms of a starter role at least so I mean it gives you some insurance in the back end of the rotation but again when you know guys like 
Corey Kluber on the trading block, you kind of hope for a move like that. Um, maybe it'll still happen. Who knows? I mean, Brendan Cuddy even treated, uh, tweeted that um, Cashman said he, he still would be looking at another pitcher, which which I don't think is crazy. I mean, you look at the rotation right now, you you have Seve and and um, and Tanaka and Paxton, um, Hap and CeCe. So I don't think it's crazy to maybe look for another starter because right now your rotation is, is good. Another starter like Kluber would make it elite. Yeah, I, I somebody's going to get screwed if that happens, and it probably would be CeCe, you would think, right? I mean... Yeah, it would have to be. We'll, we'll see. Um, but, I mean, Hap's, you know, Hap's numbers have been pretty good the, the last couple of years to the point where even if he declines slightly, he's still going to be a serviceable number five starter. And you're hoping that's what the situation is because you have Severino. Um, you'll have uh, you'll still have Paxton next year and um, and Tanaka. So you're hoping that he's the um, you know, he, he, he just slides into that CC role after CC leaves next year. Um, but. You know, like I said, it, it doesn't really excite me. I think, you know, what is exciting is that if he could keep pitching at the level he's at next year and the year after that, then the Yankees have an elite rotation of, of four starters. Because, I mean, he, he was the ace down the stretch for the Yankees um, this year, and he, he pitched like an ace the year before as well. Um, you know, I don't put too much stock into that playoff start. It's one game. It could happen, you know, at, at any time. And, and other than that, he was fantastic. So he could pitch in New York, which is a big thing. We've seen guys come over um, like Sonny Gray who can't handle New York. So we kind of know what we have there. Um, I still am disappointed that they didn't um, that they didn't get Corbin. I would have rather had him and had a more elite rotation. But this makes the this makes the rotation good. And now they have to focus on either making the lineup great or making the uh, bullpen great. Because right now, I think both of those are, I would consider them as good. Um, I know we got into the DD stuff, but when you take DD out of the lineup, that, that degrades the lineup to, from great to good, in my, my opinion. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned the playoff start, which I also would consider somewhat of an outlier. People need to remember that was also the third time that he had faced the Red Sox in a matter of about two and a half weeks. So... The Red Sox had plenty of recent looks at him. I'm sure that had something to do with his ineffectiveness. He was great in the first start of that three-game stretch, and then he was great in the second one, except he was left in and out too long. He pitched, I think it was five and two-thirds shutout innings or something like that, and then gave up a grand slam to Steve Pierce at the very end of that start. So, uh, you know, Hap's been been great overall against the Red Sox. You, you hope that continues in the coming two years. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think we can all agree we'd rather have had Corbin and, um, you know, thinking now at the Yankees' financial situations, which kind of becomes increasingly frustrating as you hear uh, the philosophies coming from the Yankees in terms of, you know, pretty much being afraid to pay anybody, it seems like at this point. They make the safe bet with Hap, but now. Cashman you know, said he had limited money. Limited money. The New York Yankees paid $50 to park it for a playoff game, have limited money. and um, But no, there's there's no excuses. The Yankees, you saw Brian Hoke uh, make a guest appearance on MLB Network at the winter meetings. His bold prediction was that the Yankees would get Manny Machado. Seth Rothman, uh, when he talked to us, said that he uh, likes the Yankees' chances of grabbing Machado. I think the Yankees have to get Machado. 
Yeah, I, I think that all of the uh, sort of all of the winds are sort of pointing in, in that direction. Um, I think they'll wind up uh, with Machado, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they got Harper. We'll, we could get into that a little bit later. Machado's the better fit, um, you know, offensively, and, and um, maybe another right-handed bat isn't exactly what you need, but defensively, he would improve the defense, and uh, it allows you to do some flexible things with Andujar once uh, Didi comes back. So speaking of Andujar, let's touch on some of the other um, recent rumors that came about at the winter meeting, some which were pretty compelling. What I, I'll admit, I got sucked into it a little bit with the possible three-way deal between the Mets and the Marlins with uh, JT Rail Muto going to the Mets and Noah Syndergaard going to the Yankees, and then it wasn't exactly clear who the Yankees would have been sending over in those discussions that apparently happened. I would assume Andujar would have had to have been included in that for a guy like Syndergaard. But you're, yeah. sh- you're shaking your head. I'll, go I, ahead. I saw one package that, like, I think it was Ro- it was somebody good. I mean, Rosenthal had jumped the gun on the the hap thing, but I mean, he's a, you know he does a great job. Of course, yeah. But I saw one deal, and it was like the package being discussed is, and it was two Mets prospects and Andujar going to the um, Marlins, Real Muto going to the Mets, and then Syndergaard going to the Yankees. And I'm just like, how did? Like that would have been an absolute no, steal. <laughs> it would have been a steal for the Yankees, and it would have been a steal for the the Marlins too. Because if, if you're getting you know two top level players from the Mets, like prospect wise, and then and then a top hitter from the Yankees, I mean you're giving up two years of Real Muto. I mean Real Muto is not, you know, he's not prime Jorge Posada even. I mean. Well, defensively, he's better than prime Jorge Posada. Maybe off offensively, probably yeah. not. Yeah, but I mean, he's yeah, you know, he's being treated treated you know like Johnny Bench, and he's good. He's not that good. I mean, I would say he's great in terms of the rest of the crop of catchers in the league. Right, but would you want to give up a pitcher you have a bunch of control? No, over no, of course not. I, I, yeah, that was the only thing holding me back from it. Didn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. I just couldn't see the Mets, who actually seem like they're going in and trying to win now. I just it seemed so counterproductive. The deal itself for them seemed bad. Um, it sounds like those talks have cooled off. <laughs> and then but, I, I know we got a laugh out of when uh, we heard that Jeter and the Marlins basically told the Mets, if you want uh, Real Muto, you got to let the Yankees in on this deal or else we'll just go ahead and trade them to the Braves or the Phillies. Yeah, that was, uh, that was some heavy handedness. Just, uh, you know, the 2000 World Series MVP was, was on a warpath again, <laughs> helping the Yankees out. But yeah, I mean, look. I would give up Andujar and Florial for for Syndergaard. I mean, I elite level, yeah, elite level pitcher with a ton of control. I would do that for Kluber too, and that was another rumor uh, floating around. I, I would do both of them and take Kluber and Kipnis's contract because, and and that's kind of one of the things. Not to get off Syndergaard so quickly, but I think we all kind of know now that's not going to happen yeah. with the signing of Hap, and it seems like that the Mets have kind of cooled off on that, but. I feel like everybody takes Corey Kluber for granted. He's a great pitcher. I mean, you look at his numbers the last couple of years, and he's been pretty healthy throughout the regular season. He's still relatively young, three years of control. I'd move heaven. I would have moved heaven and earth to get him. I think. I think the hesitance from Yankee fans when they hear that is a. Yankee fans are so immediately attached to young prospects that do well out of the gate, like Andujar, and don't take anything away from him. He was incredible this year, worthy of a rookie of the year any year where there's not another rookie that can be compared to Babe Ruth's early years um, in Shohei Otani but also 
like you mentioned, Kluber stays healthy. He's an elite pitcher. But I think from Yankee fans' perspectives, the only direct evidence they really have of Kluber is him getting hurt at basically the worst possible time because he was he was pitching with a bad back in the 2017 ALDS, and Yankee fans watched the Yankees knock him around pretty good in games two and five. So now, you know, that triggers the, oh, we can't pitch in the big game crowd, which is obviously not true. He was pitching hurt, and I, too, would have would take Kluber in a second. And I'm not sure if you read this, and I don't know how many of our listeners, if there are any, that um, subscribe to The Athletic, but Eno Saris of The Athletic wrote a really good piece today examining Miguel Andujar and trying to use past um, players to determine just where Andujar's peak really is and just basically looked at um, third baseman who ranked really low in defensive statistics and saw where they wound up later in their careers and you saw guys like Eduardo Nunez and Ryan Braun and the majority of them wound up at a position other than third base which was kind of him making the point that if Andujar's defense at third is this bad right now the odds are that he probably won't be able to improve it enough to where he's somewhere around like league average or something like that and then looked at his plate discipline and saw where other players were around that time. And there was a name like Cano that popped up, who, of course, you would kill for Andujar to turn into a guy like Cano. But, again, the the numbers tell you that Andujar, for as great as he was this year, that Had some might, warts. Yeah, he had some warts. And offensively, that might be some of the best you see from Andujar. We, we hope not. But I think that also begs the question to, you know, should the Yankees be looking to move him while his value is at arguably its highest? I would. I, I mean, you know, he reminds me of kind of like Soriano a little bit. You know, he doesn't, you know, he chases a lot. He's not very patient, and he's not a good defender either. Soriano um, also moved out of the infield. Yeah, so I, I think that is that is probably the path for, for Miguel Andujar. You know, if he goes to left field, you know, then so be it. But, um. Yeah, I just I don't know. I could see if he learns some play discipline, his bat definitely profiles over to be a first first base out, you know, first base um, offensive offensively anyway. And, you know, who knows what's going to go on there with the Yankees. But I mean, I would. Yeah, I would be looking to move him in a deal if I could, because I I like him as a player. He seems like a really nice kid, too. But, um, you, you know, like when I look at a guy like um when I look at like the other rookies that have come up, I mean, you think about Torres and it's like, okay, like he just needs to make like incremental improvements. There's not one huge thing. That's a problem with judge. It's like, okay, he strikes out a lot, but so does every other power hitter, uh, you know, these days. And, you know, that was something I think, um, his plate discipline isn't really a problem. So it's like, then you look at Andujar and you're like, okay, well the defense is terrible. The, the chase rate is terrible. So there's like these two huge things and it's like, but then he's got this electric bat that gets you so excited. So I would rather move him now coming off the rookie of the year caliber season and see what you can get. But now it's like, well, what are you going to move him for? Yeah. Uh, now Kluber. that they have had. <laughs> well, all right. So I, what do you do? You six man rotation or. I, I mean, I'd rather have too many assets in, in the pitching staff, to be honest. I, I, I love CC and we all love everything he's done for the Yankees in um in the last what this will be his 10th year with the Yankees uh-huh. and um but you know you have to have concerns about how he's going to hold up and what would be or is this his 11th year with the yeah, Yankees I yeah. think it's his 11th um 
you know, there has to be concerns about how he holds up. And I mean, if you can make a move for Kluber and it's a reasonable um, asking price, which could potentially drop as we get closer to spring training if he doesn't get moved because, you know, let's face it, the Indians have payroll, I guess you can call them payroll problems. Who knows what are actually payroll problems in the major leagues nowadays? It just seems like everyone's slashing payroll for this imaginary ceiling that they don't want to reach. Um, but anyway, it, you know, if you get closer to the season and Kluber hasn't been moved and the Indians have these financial concerns, especially after extending Carrasco, then, you know, maybe they get a little more desperate to get something for Kluber. Yeah, that's something that Cashman, well, the, he, he, what he said today was that they're constantly pivoting and reexamining things. And, you know, what makes sense yesterday might make, might not make sense today or, or vice versa. So, I mean, I think it's definitely something that worth keeping the, the pulse of. And I agree with you. I, I'd rather have too many, too many pitchers than not enough. Um, Six-man rotation doesn't sound like a bad idea when you think about, you know, uh, Tanaka, Hap, and CC with, you know, the concerns you have. And I think Severino also benefits off extra rest as well. Um, and, you know, the, um, the, the other thing is, I think this team is now, this year and next year, that's, this is the prime of the, the kind of window we have with this cost-controlled group before we're going to have to start getting into extensions and stuff like that. So you want that security. So you know what? You have Kluber and you have a six-man rotation. You have one guy go down. Okay, you don't have to call up Domingo Herman or Loizaga to and, and pray that you get five quality innings. You just compact your rotation back to five until you get your guy back. It, it's a nice little safety net there. Yeah, and I mean maybe even CC could turn into a, a bulk uh, bulk guy out of the bullpen. You know, any anything could happen. You can make tweaks. Those are all good problems to have. Um, and uh, let's let's go ahead and play the uh, Disha Thozar interview because we talked to her about a lot of this stuff, including um, Machado and Harper and the theoretical trade with the Mets that doesn't look like it's going to happen, but we still toyed with the idea and saw how likely it would be. So here is Disha Thozar of SNY. All right, so we are joined now by Disha Thozar of SNY. Disha, thanks so much for joining us and talking some Yankees hot stove rumors. Yeah, no problem. So first things first, we'll start with what was the hottest rumor last night leading into this morning was an unprecedented talk about a deal potentially between the Yankees and Mets that initially reported as a three-way deal with the Marlins, JT Realmuto going to the Mets, Noah Syndergaard possibly to the Yankees. It seems like that's kind of simmered down but just what are your thoughts on the Yankees and Mets even discussing a deal given how strict yeah, they've been I honestly don't see any deal that makes sense regarding Noah Syndergaard for the Mets just because they're clearly all in it this year and the pitching staff that they currently have is unstoppable so I don't see why they would trade away Noah just for Real Muto or any catcher for that sake I know that they need someone but I think they can get someone that can kind of band-aid for now um, so I don't see that happening I, I think it's fun because it's Yankees and Mets but um, I really don't see a scenario where that works so you know, Syndergaard or not, the Yankees still need starting pitching. They missed on Patrick Corbin, and then another name out there on the trading block is Corey Kluber. And, of course, the asking price for a guy like Kluber will be high, and the Indians will also probably want 
the Yankees to take on the contract of a guy like Jason Kipnis. So if, if you're the Yankees, do you consider taking on that contract if it means bringing in another frontline starter in Kluber to pretty much complete your rotation? Yeah, I think they have to at least go for Kluber. And there are so many options there that work for the Yankees, and especially with Kipnis because he can be an infielder and that will fill in for Didi. Um, but I don't think that they're worried so much about their infield gap right now so much as they just need to fill that starting rotation. And since they did pass on Corbin, and I really don't see Noah parting with the Mets, I think they have to either go for Kluber or Bauer. But then again, I don't know, Cashman has been known to do a few deals in the past that someone can come out of nowhere if he really wants to wait on it. But at least in the last few years, um, that hasn't worked out so well for him. I think he's been relying on the AAA way too much. And no one actually shows up for the Yankees when that happens. So hopefully, I mean, so far, the winter meetings have seemed as if there's more action. Last year was super boring. So it seems like there's going to be some type of blockbuster deal there. Yeah, it definitely seems like the Yankees are lining up for something, but going back to kind of what they already have, you know, you had a nice update uh, the other day for SNY on uh, DD, and I'm kind of curious about a couple things and your opinion on how do you think the Yankees' infield will shake out for the beginning of this year with DD out? And, I mean, they've seen, you know, Cashman has said that he would be okay with Glaber at shortstop, but I know that I've heard a couple like reporters have said that the Yankees might not be so comfortable with Glaber. Do you think that they might try to lock Didi up long-term still, or do you think that this injury has kind of cost him a chance at a long-term deal? Um, well, a few points there, because I think the Yankees really like Didi. Um, Cashman especially, just generally the management around DD has been super positive, so I do think they'll lock him up. And anything going forward with this injury, it just seems like he's confident, he's a gamer, he's going to come back, he's going to bounce back as soon as he can. If, I don't know too many players that mid-playoff can say to management's face, and that's the Yankees, to say, no, I don't care, I'm playing. They're always super cautious with their players, so... I mean, I get that the stakes were high, but and they had backups in that instant, but he did it anyway, and that's how I think his recovery will be. That's just the type of player he is. So until that, I think they have a lot of options, and they can be kind of moving pieces if they just are looking for a Band-Aid. Um, conveniently today, Troy Tulowitzki was released from the Blue Jays, so that would work out really nicely for the Yankees, who I don't think they need a huge power bat right away in the first couple months. It would be nice, but then that depends if they sign Manny Machado. So Troy could be a band-aid. There's also, I know they're looking at Scooter Dinette. Um, he could be a good fill-in. And then they're looking to trade Sonny Gray to the Reds. So that might be a thing that I've heard. But honestly, I don't think that Didi's recovery is a huge hole at, um, at shortstop for them. There's a lot of options. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. It's just, it's kind of been very interesting to see how the infield shakes out. And, you know, something that's kind of been surprising to me, at least, has been, um, you know, Cashman's kind of um, poo-pooing on the idea that they could have a need for a guy like Bryce Harper, because I also think that that left field spot is is kind of a mystery right now, because you have an aging Brett Gardner, and you have, um, you know, Stanton, who barely played any outfield last year, and then you also have on top of that the Yankees commenting that they, you know, they won't give um, Machado more than, uh, you know, they won't give him $300 million, and they lost 
lost out on Corbin. Do you do you think that the Yankees' self-imposed financial restrictions are going to be something that they wind up regretting um, in terms of a performance standpoint? Because as fans, it definitely seems like they've been much uh, much more frugal as of late. I mean, you know, they, they made the trade for Stanton last year, but this was the off-season that they've been talking about with the luxury tax, and it's been very quiet in terms of any sort of big big signings. It's kind of been like the kind of band-aids that you were referring to. Yeah, I agree. I think it's super frustrating for fans, especially because, and this is always an off-season joke um, with some of my friends at least, because everyone complains about getting to the stadium and how expensive it is. It's like, where is that money going? And honestly, it's true. I mean, if they're racking up all of this money, it's like at least give your fans what they're looking for. And I think Cashman, at least lately, has he doesn't pay attention to that anyway, but it just doesn't reap better outcomes. But I do think that at least based on the activity going on this winter meetings, there is a blockbuster deal on the horizon. I, I don't think like they realize that their game plan for the last few years has not been working out. And just relying on people to kind of cover up for now is not working. And also, this is not a really great uh, fan theory because a lot of it seems like all of a sudden today, a lot of Yankee fans are okay with letting Andrew Hart go if they're getting Noah Syndergaard in return. So it's kind of like that's a good um, start for Yankees fans, but I really do kind of see him moving this offseason. And I think that could possibly be for obviously Manny Machado, but um, they didn't seem that attached to him at the end of last season either, um, Miguel Andujar. So I think it's interesting and it letting go of some big name players like that is always shakes things up so i wouldn't expect it to be boring (laughs) at least not this year and um on top of that the yankees also have some other areas that need to be addressing including the bullpen which has been one of their biggest strengths the last couple years but you have david robertson and zach Britton, both free agents and you have adam odovino available so what kind of moves do you anticipate the Yankees trying to make in terms of shoring up that bullpen and, and making sure it's still one of the best in baseball? So I have heard for the bullpen, I do think Robertson and Britton are huge losses, but um, a lot of people forget already how steady the bullpen was, I think, from start to finish. I mean, there were always gaps midseason, but when there's Batances, Chapman in the end, and then you have Chad Green, who had his moments, Holder, um, Chance Adams also did pretty well, and if they decide to use him more heavily this year, that could be a good fill-in, but they definitely need at least one or two people, and um, Andrew Miller is already tied to the Yankees. So that could be a possible option, but um, when I was looking this up, actually, I found interesting that the Yankees are scouting um, Japanese left-hander, Yusei uh, Kichuki, I believe his name is, and um, he's really good. I mean, any scouting that they've had on him, and they're obviously not shy with Japanese players, um, has been pretty well. Like, He's a number two starter, so I don't see him going into the rotation. And he's also 27 years old, and he's made it pretty clear that he wants to enter the MLB in some way, shape, or form because he's super competitive. So if he's willing for some short minor deal to just enter the MLB and get his name out there, I can see the Yankees kind of filling that rotation void with someone like that. Um, but again, he's a Japanese player, so there all are a lot of big market teams after him too. So the Red Sox and Dodgers are like fully aware of him and. Um, but I could see that happening somewhere from outside. And obviously, Adam Adovito, too, has been um, really good. He was actually found interesting, the third best reliever in MLB last year, according to this report. I think Morosi wrote it. But there are a few options there, too, I think. So, yeah, he had a great year, and he said he could strike out Babe Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. He, he did like, say so that. that. <laughs> um, so 
Speaking of David Robertson, how how much weight do you put on what happened with the postseason shares and Robertson voting against giving them to some regular Yankee employees? It's just it just seems interesting that Robertson uh, decided to go without an agent, and many people were thinking that was a foregone conclusion that he would come back to the Yankees. And then these reports come out, and you wonder if um, maybe he hurt his standing in the clubhouse at all with what happened with the postseason shares or do you think that has any impact on the potential of Robertson making a return yeah that's interesting because he you know be Robertson's a smart guy so he definitely could also just be playing it the other way around where it's like let me go be my own agent and I'm going to do my own searching and this is someone I'm sure heading into at least the postseason they thought Robertson would stick around so he could also just be putting pressure on them in that way um and if it turns out that way, that it be in a, a few months he decides to stay with the Yankees, well, then that does take a huge load of who they're looking for in the bullpen off. But I don't know. I think the attitude there, especially with how lax he is, with he didn't even show up to um, the winter meetings because it's like there was like something about his brother-in-law having a baby, and it's just like you're not going to get any deals done that way if you're just representing yourself unless someone seriously wants him and he manages somehow. So. Right now, I'm I'm not too sure about that, but I think it's it's okay to write him off at least for now. But it's interesting why that would happen. At least it's it's a little confusing because you would think he'd want to stay in New York. All right, it's uh, Deja Thozar of SNY, and follow her for all the latest Yankee news as the winter meetings continue rolling along. Deja, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Deja. Uh, thanks so much to Deja Thozar of SNY for talking with us about all the latest Yankee news. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem like that Mets deal is, is going to go through. Uh, who knows how much traction it really had. But it, it was fun to entertain for a while. But another big name that kind of has been um, pulled down from you know, the, the level of hope is Bryce Harper. And Cashman kind of you know, said that they're not going after Harper and then now kind of changed it a little bit today saying we're always reevaluating when whenever something changes called the Yankees a fully operational death star um, among other good quotes from the winter meetings as usual from Scott Boris always always good for a couple of metaphors that don't seem to make any sense but uh, the nurse coming in the <laughs> Taking the Yankees' temperature doesn't matter the temperature, but how they feel when they leave the hospital, something along those lines. But I'm not even going to try to dissect the meaning of it. We'll get lost, and it'll feel like an episode of Twin Peaks or something. But um, <laughs> so, so how, what are your thoughts on Cashman's remarks about Harper, and then kind of backtracking a little bit, especially after Boris said, "Well, he, well, I haven't heard that the Yankees aren't interested." So. Maybe Cashman tried to call over there, and there's that bad cell reception that keeps getting reported at the winter meetings. Apparently, everyone there is struggling with cell reception. So maybe there's pro- there, yeah, Harper and Machado probably have both signed, but nobody's been able to tweet it because the reception's <laughs> been bad. Um, no, yeah, they. Um, one of the things that strikes me is that, uh, and you know, we brought it up with Seth was that this is eerily similar to the uh, Bubba Crosby as our our center fielder days and then they signed Johnny Damon like the next week um you know Cashman's played this game before 
but I found it interesting that he he kind of danced. He didn't dance around it, but he he very much flirted with no, we're not going going after Harper the other day by saying we have six outfielders, which I'm sorry is a friggin' joke. I mean, come on, Jacoby Ellsbury is not a major league outfielder. He's a disabledist outfielder, and you know I I'd like to see what Clint Frazier has, but coming off injury, um, and you know. Disha, you know, referenced that, you know, things haven't really worked out there yet. Brett Gardner showed signs of decline last year, especially when pushed into a full-time role. And John Carlos Stanton has not played the outfield much uh, last year. There's room for Bryce Harper. I mean, you make room for a guy like that. And I could just I could just see Cashman playing the slow game. And, and I think Harper is going to wait it out because he wants to be the highest paid player in baseball. So he has to wait for Machado to go first because otherwise Machado could eclipse him. So... If the Yankees miss on Machado, I would look on them maybe getting Harper um, as, as a strong possibility because I think when Cashman was pressed more closely today, you notice he did change his tenor um, and you know just kind of went into, oh, we're reevaluating, giving a lot of non-answers. So I, I think it still is a possibility. It, it'd be, it's stupid if it's not, and that's, that's kind of my feeling about it. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to call yourself a fully operational Death Star, then you should probably be still – in the game or in the running for some of the best remaining players on the free agent market. I mean, right now, um, Cashman kind of sounds, or I, I try to think of like who would be who in that death star situation. You think about the scene where, uh, they're talking about the progress of the death star and, uh, Hal's probably the one saying that it's the most powerful weapon in the galaxy. And Cashman might be the one trying to warn mm -hmm. them of a couple warts in the, in the plans. No, Cash Cashman is um, Darth Vader. Hal is Governor Tarkin. You know, kind of trying to keep keep order. The guy that he Vader force chokes, Randy Levine. It's gotta be, <laughs> gotta be Randy Levine. I would like uh, to see Randy Levine force choked. <laughs> me too. Well, I mean, hopefully he gets his job working for Donald Trump. I mean, that's a yeah, lose lose because if he does that, then it's like oh. Like the Yankees are kind of associated with it now because of because Levine was there. I don't know. It's, they it's a loser. Are. He, he was in Steinbrenner's box every year George was alive. They, they already are. Um, but I mean, get him off the Yankees. Go ahead, go go to Washington. I'd rather have him screw the country <laughs> up than the Yankees. The country's already screwed up. But anyway, um, I'm getting off topic now. What were we talking about? Oh, Star the Death Wars. Star. Yeah. The thermal now you said that the you had made the luxury tax reference being the trench, but that's really that's the thermal exhaust port because if you yeah. hit the luxury tax, <laughs> it just destroys the Death Star. So the whole station is destroyed once they reach the luxury tax. Mm -hmm. I like it. Can we keep going with this, or we have to talk about real things? Let's just talk. Well, before we get too far gone, and then we'll start <laughs> ranting about how bad the prequels are. Um, Let's, uh, let's talk to Seth now, so let's just keep this train moving. We talked to Seth Rothman of the Yes Network, our first guest returning to the podcast as he was on, um, I think it was like week four, uh, episode four or five of this podcast. Now here we are at 23, and Seth made a triumphant return to the podcast to talk about Manny Machado, the Yankee bullpen, and Jay Happ, and here he is, Seth Rothman of the Yes Network. Okay, we're joined now by Seth Rothman of the Yes Network to talk some 
of the latest Yankees rumors and news surrounding the winter meetings right now. Seth, thanks for uh, coming back and talking with us. Our first, uh, second time interviewee. Glad to do it, guys. All right, so first things first, Jay Happ, we wake up this morning and there's news that the Yankees had a deal. Then very quickly they backtracked and said that they're was not a deal but that it was very close and it seems to be one of the issues might be that Hap is looking for three years and the Yankees are looking to hold at two what kind of concerns would you have for a guy like Hap who's 36 years old throws his fastball over 70 percent of the time so for an aging pitcher how risky is it for the Yankees to commit three years to an arm like that who really relies on his fastball yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's it's risky for every pitcher. Um, but I also think, you know, Jay Happ is not going to get a $25 million a year deal. Um, I don't think it's going to be an albatross no matter what they do. And I think you also look at this guy's history. You know, last season he made 31 starts. 2017, 25 starts. 2016, he made 32 starts. The guy, the guy throws 200 innings in a, in a season. The last time he had fewer than 25 starts, you have to go back to the 2013 season. So uh, this guy's been pretty consistently healthy. You know, he does not have the kind of injury risk that, say, James Paxton has, who, when he's healthy, he's a top 15 pitcher in baseball probably, but he has had trouble staying on the field. Jay Happ has not had those uh, issues. He was very good here in New York uh, when he came over last season. Uh, and so I don't think you have as big of, of – of injury concerns. I think the concerns you have is, you know, can he retain his stuff uh, for two or three more seasons? But listen, if you're going to sign a guy in free agency, you're going to have to sign a contract you're a little bit uncomfortable with. That, that's just the way it works. Like you're not, if you want to get somebody uh, on a contract you like, you're never going to sign anybody. So you kind of have to take that risk and you have to hope in these first two years of that deal, you win a title. Because if you do, that third year is all of a sudden not so important because you've, you've done what you signed him to, to do. So let's say the Yankees do uh, complete this signing and then Hap comes back to New York. Then Cashman essentially has those two starting pitching arms that he said he wanted to go out and get in the offseason and Hap and Paxton. So then if you're the Yankees, do you turn your full attention to getting a guy like Manny Machado? He's one that the Yankees say are still on their radar. They're talking with his reps. It sounds like Harper is not in the mix. So you'd have to imagine that the Yankees are at least in the running for Machado. He fills a area of need and although they've said they don't want to go to 300 million for him do you kind of make that push to make sure you make that big splash this offseason well listen you know myself and a number of other people in our research department um are very much Manny Machado fans I mean this guy is a is a generational player he's a he's a he's a great fielder he's a great hitter um I I think his his hustling issues are blown out of proportion uh, I think he'd be a tremendous fit for the Yankees. Uh, listen, they do have Miguel and Duhar at third base. Again, Didi Gregorio is going to miss part of the season. So, you know, I'm not necessarily signing him because Didi might miss three months. I'm signing him because this guy's really, really good. You look at his numbers. Uh, he he is a he is a really, really good player, and the Yankees would be would be lucky to have him. Um, and if you sign Manny Machado. That also begs the question, okay, now what do you do with Miguel Andujar? At some point, does he then get flipped for another starter? 
um, you know, or for whatever else the Yankees might need down the road. So, yes, I think signing Manny Machado is something that they should do, and and uh, uh, obviously they have some decisions to make on that. So going back to the rotation for a second, and Duhar could be a trade chip for another frontline starter like uh, like a Corey Kluber or a Trevor Bauer. But in terms of the back end of the rotation, you have CC back there. Paxson has the health issues. Does um, you know, do some of those concerns in terms of how many innings these starters can put together? Does that kind of put some pressure on the Yankees going out and and getting more bullpen arms because Robertson and Britton are free agents right now so it looks like the Yankees could need some bullpen help as well oh I think the Yankees I think if they do sign Jay Happ I think you immediately turn your attention to the bullpen and you start looking at who can fill in that bullpen uh obviously you said Roberts and Britain both free agents so either you bring them back or you have to replace them in in uh, some way the Yankees have obviously made it a point these last few years that the bullpen is very important to them. So, you know, Adovino's a guy they, they seem to be interested in, and, and who knows who else. But, um, yes, I, I think you look at the bullpen. I also think, you know, you need to remember as well, I think Chris Sheeran uh, uh, had the note on, on, on his Yes Network podcast, the Yankees used 12 starters last season. Now, one of those guys was Jonathan Holder, who, had, who was the, the um, opener. So you want to say they used 11 starters last year. They are still going to have to get into their depth. Remember Jordan Montgomery, uh, I believe he's back at some point next season after having his uh, you know, surgery. So uh, there's a possibility that you might get Jordan Montgomery back at some point uh, as, as well. So the Yankees do have some depth. You know, Loisaga as well is, is a prospect. And um, Chance Adams is a prospect. That Who knows what they get out of him. So they do have some depth. It, it, it would not surprise me, and, and, you know, I'm not a reporter. I don't know what they're thinking, but, but I do wonder because of Tanaka's injury concerns. Severino's never thrown 200 innings. Paxton's got injury concerns. You know, CC's got the, the knee that, that he's going to miss a start here and there. I do wonder if they want to make a six-man rotation here, and I wonder if that actually would make some sense for them to sign Hap and go get somebody else and have a six-man rotation um, just because of sort of some of those concerns that, that you guys mentioned. Yeah, and, you know, we like, you know, Ryan had mentioned, the, the length would be an issue with the bullpen, and, and going to the six-man rotation sometimes allows you to have guys that go a little bit longer. And, you know, losing a guy like Britton and a guy like Robertson most likely – that's a lot of production out of the bullpen. What what level arms are you thinking the Yankees are they going to be big game hunting for the bullpen in terms of like bringing in an Adovino or bringing back a Britain or do you think they can get guy get by with some more mid level guys and and letting the Tansis and Chapman and Green handle the, the bulk of the important innings? No, it's funny because for all the talk about Manny Machado and Bryce Harper and and the rotation, we've really heard very little about what their plans are for the bullpen. My guess would be, and it's just a guess based on what they've done in the past, is that they will go big game hunting in that bullpen because that's sort of the way they've wanted to build a team. I think having a strong bullpen is something that's very important in the postseason. We saw the Red Sox last season. They had a bullpen that, that was kind of a little um, uh, not not great last season. Now they still won the World Series, but they really had to mix and match, and they really... 
you know, Alex Cora did an unbelievable job in terms of managing that situation. I think the Yankees really want to have their bullpen set and ready to go because of how much the bullpen impacts postseason games. Again, you're not you're not doing this for the regular season. You're building that bullpen for the postseason. That's the goal. And and so I think the Yankees want to have another dominant bullpen like they've had the last two or, or three seasons. Right, and you know that, like you said, the bullpen and power play play in the postseason, despite what some people may think. And, and with that power in mind, um, you know, one of the things that was really surprising to me was when Cashman came out and said that they have too many outfielders and they're not in on Harper because they have six outfielders. And I know, you know Ellsbury's name is mixed in there as well as Clint Frazier, both of whom are injury, you know, injury question marks, so to speak. And, and Brett Gardner, he's coming back on a one-year deal, but clearly uh, was worn down a little bit. Later. Year, so I'm I'm wondering, um, you know, let's say Machado didn't work out. Do you really think that the Yankees have enough in left field and, and in like their backup outfield where they shouldn't be considering uh, a, a gener- gener- generational talent like Bryce Harper? Because it, it, it's reminding me a little bit of the um, of when they said that they had their center fielder in the, the, the future in Bubba Crosby, and then they went out and got Johnny Damon because there really doesn't seem to be a, a, an elite-level option out there in left field on the Yankees roster right now. Right, and I think you mentioned the Bubba Crosby issue. You know, he's our center fielder. That's That was the talk on December 1st. Okay, he wasn't the uh, center fielder. I, I think Brian's, you know, posturing. Um, I think if push comes to shove and they think they and they think Harper helps them, I think they, they go get him. Um I think I think he's posturing. I think Scott Boris is posturing when he says the Yankees are interested. Like I think this is silly season and everybody's posturing. Everybody's nobody's really gonna give you their full hand. Um, it 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 has seemed like the Yankees are more interested in Machado than in Harper uh, for whatever reason. Um, we should also make a point of, of mentioning the Yankees offense is not an issue. Right, like the Yankees had the second best offense in baseball last season, and they're bringing all those guys back except for Didi, who's going to miss three months. They're bringing their offense back next year. So the second best offense in baseball, there's only so much you can add to that offense that's actually going to help you. I mean, you could win a game eight one, and you can win a game fifteen to one, but those extra seven runs, you know, if if you get the second best offense, improving it by one run really isn't going to help you much. The reason the, the Yankees need to get better through their pitching and through their defense. Obviously, Machado helps with your defense, um, but that's where the Yankees need to improve. And so talking about Harper and Machado, I think Cashman's also looking at it as he needed to improve his rotation, which he now has done. James Paxton, uh, I think, is an underrated pitcher. He's a very good pitcher in Major League Baseball. Uh, and the bullpen. And once he gets that stuff done, then I think you focus on sort of the luxury attachments that, that can come with uh, uh, at the end of the offseason, and that would include Machado and it would include Harper. All right, that's Seth Rothman of the S Network. You can follow him on Twitter for all the best Yankee stat nuggets during the season. Seth, thanks for coming back and talking with us. We appreciate it. Always oh, fun, guys. Thank you. All right, thanks again to Seth Rothman of the S Network, and again, thanks to Disha Thozar of SNY. I think that's our second doubleheader. No, that's our third time. This is the third time we've had two interviews on, on the podcast. So 
a special episode for a special time of year, the winter meetings. And I think one of the matters that we haven't really addressed, we talked about it with Seth, is is the bullpen. Um, and I find it interesting he brought up the six-man rotation because we were talking about you know bringing Kluber on no matter what. And Cashman has said he would still be looking for another pitcher. But if you don't gra- grab that sixth starting pitcher, then you, you have to start shoring up the bullpen as soon as you can and, and getting some of these arms before they sign with other teams and you know if, if they don't then suddenly that that bullpen strength which has been among the best in baseball over the past couple of years suddenly it's you know falling off that top tier of arms of course not at the back end you still have Chapman and Batances and Green but you would like a little more depth yeah that that made me happy when Seth said that he thought the Yankees would be big game hunting in uh, for, for bullpen arms, because that's somewhere I don't, you know, there's so much volatility when you go with kind of mid-level guys that when you get those sort of uh, elite level relievers, that really helps solidify it. And that's so much an Id- identity of what the Yankees are all about, right? It's power, power arms in the bullpen and power at the plate. So I think sticking with that would be key. Um, there's a lot of options out there that are interesting and you just got to hope that they get one of the, one of the top arms and, and make the right choices. Uh, you know, um, Odovino is really interesting to me. I, th- I think he'd be a, a really good fit in New York. Um, he thinks he could strike out Babe Ruth, which he probably could. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, we'll we'll see who they get. Do you have a, a favorite in mind for who they should get out of the bullpen? I, w- I would love D. Rob and Odovino. Odovino excites me. It's just thinking about that slider away from Coors Field in normal yes. air, and maybe it moves even more. And um, and then D-Rob is just kind of, you know, an old reliable, proven, knows he can knows that he can perform in multiple different roles. He's shown that he can close. He's shown that he can eat up three innings in the biggest game of the season. Might not give you playoff shares after, but um, still think that he's a quality arm that still has plenty of good innings left in him. So if I'm the Yankees, those are the two I'm looking at, and... Um, We'll see if they do, but um, I think that's uh, I think that's about all the time we have. So wait, unless wait. there's something else you want. Oh, what? You got it. You got to tell. You started a tradition. We have oh, to follow yeah. through with it. What are you doing this week to kind of pass the time before the the major league season? Uh, can you start? Because I need. To th- I forgot about this, and I need to think of one. All right, I got. I mean, I got a couple actually. This is a busy week for me. This this weekend on Saturday, I'm going to an autograph signing. For the great Henrik Lundqvist, the goalie of the New York Rangers, and you know I'm a big Rangers fan. Um, and Lundqvist is kind of like for me with the Rangers, what uh, you know what Jeter is to you for the Yankees. Um, started watching Lundqvist right when the Rangers came back from the from the lockout, and he got me into it. So I'm really excited to meet him. That's going to be cool. We actually have VIP passes, me and mom, and taking hopefully Shania. I'm working on a ticket for her. And then the next day, we're going to Kids Day at Madison Square Garden watching the Rangers play the Vegas Golden Knights. So a little New York Rangers weekend. I'm going to root for them to win, even though they're supposed to be tanking. But hopefully, you know, our niece has a good time. And then Tuesday, we have finally the dog surgery. So I couldn't get Dr. James Andrews to do the uh, <laughs> ACL repair surgery, but we have a, a vet we're very happy with. So um Going to be doing some fun stuff with the niece over the weekend, and then we got to take care of the dog next week, and um, we'll see what happens from there. Nice. Um, I think you know it's funny. We we grew up. I don't know. You know, it's. I guess we can blame our dad, but we grew up Dolphins fans. Um, 
big Marino guys growing up, but I don't think either of us really followed the Dolphins that much. Obviously, we're diehard with the Yankees, and then you are with the Rangers like I am with the Devils, and um, and the Dolphins always just kind of lingered in the background, probably because they didn't were never broadcast locally in our area and because they always suck. But, I mean, I think last Sunday with the Miami Miracle was probably one of the coolest moments I could remember the Dolphins having since as far back as I can remember. So now Defin- got- Definitely you got to go all the way back to Lamar Smith. Lamar Smith to overtime yeah. touchdown in the playoffs. No one else is going to know what we're talking about. But anyway, long story short, I-, I guess I would say I'm excited to see how they respond and play against the Vikings trying to um, get closer to a playoff spot and see if that emotional hangover is real. So that that will be interesting. The Vikings just fired their offensive coordinator. Uh, they lost against the Seahawks, so they're slipping further from a playoff spot. But... The Dolphins will be on the road in the cold of Minnesota, so I think... Um, well, they play inside. It's still cold there. All right, well, not on the field. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. Sorry. I'm just trying to pick out things of reasons why they'll probably lose. I'm preparing uh, myself. I'll tell you why, because they're the Dolphins. They started <laughs> 3-0, and and the Patriots looked like they were ready to be had, and they go up to Foxborough and, you know, they crap their pants. Um, no, well, that's, that's a good one. I would. There's a, a Dolphins bar in the city I would have loved to go to after the Rangers game because the Rangers have a 12:30 start. It'll be over about two, but uh, I'm not going to take our now seven-year-old niece to a bar in the middle of Manhattan. So I'll just have to follow on my phone on the train ride home. There's a Dolphins bar in the town I live in here in Connecticut. It's about you three minutes. It's about three minutes away from my house. It's also a Red Sox bar, so I'll never go in. Nah, you can't be going in there. No way. That's. No. Uh, Ugh. Yeah, I won't be stepping foot in there. But if the Dolphins were to win, we have to blow up uh, J- JJ, John Jastrzemski's phone, and make sure he's on the podcast next week because we can talk Yankees with him and we can talk a little Dolphins with him. Absolutely. I'd love to get him back on. He was a good time. Uh, I was going to call into his show on the fan the other night when I was driving home, but uh, you know, couldn't get through. So he's a popular guy. What are you going to do? <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll keep trying, and we'll try to have another guest for everybody next week. Thanks for listening. Um, just keep uh, keep praying for a big move from the Yankees. Hopefully there's one to talk about next week. The winter meetings so far have been pretty dull, so hopefully um, some yeah, action now, now picks I'm, up. Now I'm thinking maybe we don't go to the winter meetings next year. Well, it's uh, in San, San Diego. <laughs> can't go back to San Diego. No. Well, maybe we'll wait until it comes back towards like the D.C. area or something a little more reasonable. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you had a good time, and uh, see you next week, everybody.